Governor Ted Strickland looks back on his term in office. Welcome to this Columbus on the Record special. We're not at WOSU at COSA, we're in the governor's office where we are speaking with outgoing Governor Ted Strickland about his term in office. We'll reflect on his term, the campaign a little bit, and look, look towards the future and also take a look at the state of politics in general right now in Ohio and across the nation. Governor, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for being here. Um, you've been at this now since 2005 when you decided to run for governor. You served a term after winning in 2006, you served a term in governor as governor. You ran hard for re-election. You narrowly lost. What's the emotional and the practical process of giving up the office to someone who defeated you? Well, the emotional um, part of it is not terribly difficult. Um, I, uh, I respect the will of the people. The people have spoken. And um, so I'll move on. Um, the practical aspect, though, um, requires me to bring my tenure to a, a conclusion, and that means that there are many loose ends to tie up as I approach uh, January the 9th. Uh, I'm working on a lot of clemency requests. Um, there are boards and commission appointments that I uh, have made and hope to make. Uh, and um, we're still working on development efforts as, as uh, you know, we're trying to create jobs in Ohio, and that's an ongoing process. It doesn't come to an end just because there's an election. Have you had any conversations with John Kasich since the election? Um, uh, very briefly on election night, and then uh, we talked briefly at the Michigan-Ohio State football game. <laughs> um, and I take it your staff is working with his transition team, and they're, they're communicating. Absolutely. The staffs are meeting. We want this to be a smooth transition, and we're trying to be as helpful as we can. When you look at an, an elected executive, whether it be a president, a mayor, or a governor, and that person is not reelected, is it fair to call that a failed elected executive? <laughs> well, the people will decide, obviously. Um, but I don't consider myself a failure at all. I think we've done some really good things. Recent um, information coming out indicates that we're one of only two states um, that, have, that have had uh, eight consecutive months of declining unemployment. Last month, 21 states increased their unemployment rate. We went in the other direction. Um, and um, the Federal Reserve says that over the last 12 months, we've had the fifth fastest growing state economy in America. We now have an unemployment rate that's equal to the national rate. It's the first time that's happened uh, since December of 2002. Um, so I think Ohio is headed in the right direction, and I think Ohio is doing better than uh, most other states. If you compare Ohio to um, Indiana, uh, California, Florida, Nevada, a whole host of other states, we're doing better. And why are we doing better? Well, I think it's because of the decisions that I've made and our administration uh, has made over the last four years. We've established a strong foundation for future growth, and we're starting to see jobs being created in Ohio, uh, and that's why our unemployment rate is going down. You know, in past recessions, Ohio has recovered slower than most other states. In this recession, Ohio is one of a handful of states that seems to be leading the nation out of recession. I'll get to the, to the foundation you spoke of last week and what you just mentioned there in a minute, but I want to talk about the campaign. 
just briefly. I mean, we've okay. beaten this horse sure. to death and over and over again. But if you could do one thing different as a candidate for re-election, what would it be? You know, that's a difficult question to answer because obviously I've thought about the campaign and what we could have done or might have done. Um, but I can think of nothing um, that I can identify that I could have or should have done differently. Um, obviously, you know, Monday back uh, quarterbacking is, uh, is, is or Monday morning quarterbacking is easier. Uh, uh, you can second guess yourself. But we ran a strong campaign, a very vigorous campaign. We came very close in very difficult times. I mean, if you look at what happened across the country, um, it's, um, you know, it's uh, a little surprising, I guess, that we came as close as we did. did you, you, took some criticism, you took some criticism for going negative right off the bat. Your first campaign ad, you know, criticized John Kasich for his Wall Street ties. And they, a lot of analysts, a lot of Democrats have said that you lost your good guy stance right there. Did you, did you go too negative too early? Did you not spend enough time on your achievements? Well, I, see, I don't think I went negative. Um, listen, the governor's office is an important office. And if you aren't willing to fight for it, uh, you ought not to, to, you know, to be in the race. Um, I tried to be accurate, fair, uh, I tried never to uh, tell something that wasn't true, um, but I thought it was important for people to know the differences between me and, and Mr. Kasich. You lost by 77,000 votes, two percentage points. Um, you could say you lost the race in Cuyahoga County where you received 84,000 fewer votes That's right. this time around than you did in 2006. Why is that? Why, why didn't you do as well up in Cleveland as you had when you first won in 2006? Well, you know, I think probably for a couple of reasons. Um, the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party was very troubled as a result of all the scandals that broke up there. Uh, people had gone to jail, pleaded guilty, others were under investigation. I think uh, it had a demoralizing effect upon the electorate there. Uh, I also think the economy obviously had an effect, and that part of Ohio has been hit hard um, by uh, unemployment. Um, so I think there were multiple factors. Um, but, um, you know, the fact is Mr. Casey got more votes than I did. He's the winner. Um, I put forth an effort, um, and uh, the people made a decision. And so it's time for me to move on, and it's time for Mr. Kasich to accept um, the authority and the responsibility of governing. One more question. I want to give you a chance to respond, because it's been mentioned on, on, on our show. Uh, the criticism has been that you, were, you and your administration um, didn't do enough to embrace African-Americans and African-Americans in the base of the Democratic Party. How do you respond to that? Well, I think there's absolutely no truth to that. You know, I appointed a lot of judges. Uh, a third of the judges I appointed were African-American individuals, and many of those African-American judges were appointed to posts that theretofore had been held by Caucasian males. Um, my running mate was an African-American. I appointed Kevin Boyce to be treasurer. Um, of this great state of Ohio um, uh, uh, within my administration. Uh, African-Americans held important positions. I've done more than any governor in the history of Ohio to encourage minority involvement in state contracts, uh, appropriately so. So um, I, I, don't know, I don't know where that criticism is coming from, but it's not 
well-founded. I think your support of gun owners' rights plays into it. There's a feeling that you didn't do enough for the inner city, uh, inner city neighborhoods uh, in Cleveland and other urban areas in, in Ohio. Um, I, I just take issue with that. Uh, I think uh, I focused a lot on the inner cities, um, and uh, I had uh, I had an urban agenda which we were carrying out, and that involved a lot of things. It involved trying to get uh, healthy, affordable food located within our inner city areas. It involved uh, trying to help um, support public transportation that's so important to inner city um, uh, dwellers, people who need uh, bus service and and uh, you know urban transit uh, to get to and from work. Um, I greatly expanded uh, health care coverage for poor children. Uh, and in fact, every child in Ohio, I believe, under our administration um, was given access to affordable health care. Uh, so I think we did a lot, um, and I'm very proud of my record. I don't know of a single governor in the history of Ohio who has done more uh, to promote uh, African-American inclusion and the inclusion of Hispanics as well, and women. One half of my cabinet uh, were women, and women occupied some of the most important cabinet positions in my administration. Getting back to the, the foundation, you told the Columbus Metropolitan Club last week that Ohio's foundation is stronger now than when you, than when you took right. office. Um, you point to the unemployment going down slightly over the past eight months and the business rankings you point to where Ohio is at or near the top. Um, but there are a lot of people, still one in ten Ohioans are out of work. A lot of people have seen their savings depleted, lost their homes in some cases they're not going to feel that their foundation is any stronger than it was in 2006. How, how do you feel about them? How do you respond to their, their fears? Well, uh, uh, obviously you understand that there's a lot of pain and suffering in Ohio and throughout the country. Uh, what I've been dealing with is a national recession, the most severe in perhaps 80 or more years. It was not caused by Ohioans. It was not caused by me. As I said throughout the campaign, it was primarily caused by Wall Street, an unethical um, behavior that took place there. Put, you know, greed was the uh, overriding um, motivation, I think. And uh, so Ohio was hit hard by this recession, as was the rest of the country. But um, uh, Ohio is doing better than most other states in coping with this recession. Uh, you and, you won't and, get credit for the... If things do turn around, John Kasich is governor a year from now, he'll get all the credit for this foundation <laughs> being set. Do you, you feel know, that? I think if anyone really knows me, they understand that that's not the kind of thing that motivates me. Credit and getting credit is not what motivates me. I am interested in public policy. I am concerned about people uh, having opportunity, expanded opportunity, kids having an education. Uh, about whether or not uh, my name is on a plaque or some uh, building is named after me or even the, my picture hangs in the state house, Those are not the kind of things that motivate me. They never have. Um, would Ohio have a stronger foundation had you taken the risk and raised taxes to help balance the budget in 2008, whether it even be a temporary increase in the, in the sales tax to help erase the deficit and prevent some cuts? Well, I wonder if the people who criticize me for not uh, uh, raising taxes will be uh, equally critical of uh, Mr. Kasich for going in the other direction. 
he not only uh, will not raise taxes, he wants to uh, further cut taxes, which will increase the deficit. Now, I want to be straight with you and with the people who are watching here. Um, if, if, if they think that it would have been possible to have raised taxes um, with, with the Senate that we have here in the state of Ohio, then they are blissfully naive or they're being dishonest with themselves. Republican-led Senate. Absolutely. Um, I said, and, and I continue to believe, that in a recession, a tax increase on working people is, is unwise if it can be prevented. Um, but I also say that there are priorities that any politician must establish, especially a governor. Had you been reelected, um, you were asked several times during the campaign, how would you go about erasing the budget deficit the state now faces? Do you think you would have had to have raised taxes in a second term somewhat? Um, I don't know. Uh, I certainly would not have made the, you know, the, the deficit deeper. Uh, you would have at least delayed the last phase of the income uh, tax or tried to delay the last phase uh, of the income tax. That certainly would have been a likely possibility. Uh, I also wouldn't uh, you know, be contemplating reducing the estate tax or um, uh, doing a whole range of other things. Um, you know, when you were the governor, you are responsible for about 11.4 million men, women, and children. And uh, you've got to get out of the campaign mode and start thinking about public policy in a deep way. That's what I tried to do um, while I was in this office. And that's what I would have done going forward. I also would have advocated for more federal help. Um, and people say, well, that's impossible. I'm not sure it's impossible. And Mr. Armstutz, chairman of the House Finance Committee, said after the election, we need some continued federal help. A lot of the Republican governors who were recently elected are in states that are in worse fiscal circumstances than is Ohio. And when they confront the need to, to balance their state budgets, I think some of them may be looking toward Washington, D.C. for some help. Do you think John Kasich will have to raise taxes? You know, I don't know what he'll have to do. And do you think there's any way of balancing the budget? If there's no federal help, is there any way to avoid huge, huge cuts without some additional revenue somewhere? Well, I, you know, you mentioned cuts, uh, huge cuts. Um, some people may be willing to accept that. I don't know. But I think, I think schools and libraries and, and local governments and police and fire and, and uh, our public uh, parks, um, I mean, you know, there are things that, that people have a right to expect from their government. And the people of Ohio, and quite frankly, the people of America, will make a decision. And that decision will be you know, what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of state do we want to live in? Do we want a strong public education system? When a kid gets sick, do we want them to be able to get medical care? When our older people develop uh, Alzheimer's and other debilitating conditions, do we want there to be uh, nursing facilities available to care for them? Um, do we want our, you know, our highways uh, maintained? Um, uh, th th these are all questions that citizens um, must make decisions about going Edu forward. Education reform was a major platform of your campaign in 2006. You said you'd be a failed governor if you didn't reform right. it. You claim you have reformed it. Uh, it's phased in over 10 years, and the critics say it's not funded. There's no guarantee that this will be phased in, passed, 
now your administration, even past the next person's administration. Should it have been a shorter phase-in period? No, I'm a realist. Yeah. I believe in common sense, and neither do I believe in, in uh, t giving people false information. Now, let me say to you that, that uh, the reforms that we passed dealt with a whole lot more than just money. Money was a part of it, and how we distributed money. The evidence-based model, I believe, is a constitutional approach to school funding. But our, but our reforms went well beyond just financial concern, uh, concerns and considerations. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, but uh, our reforms, I believe, gives Ohio the strongest teacher preparation standards in America. We're the only state in America that has a four-year residency program for new teachers, um, a, 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 a licensure, licensure program of four levels, all the, all the way up to lead teacher, allowing good teachers to remain in the classroom and be rewarded for the work they do there. Um, changing the way we assess learning, giving every se uh, graduating senior uh, a chance to take the ACT test. Uh, there are other things like all-day kindergarten and teacher-student teacher ratios. Absolutely. Ex my kids hate the extended school year. Yeah, and um, I don't care if your kids hate it because <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we need to do things for our children <laughs> that they don't understand is in their best interest. That's exactly what and, I tell them. And, you know, and the international... The international average for a school year is 200 days. But the school districts say this, they don't have the money to do that. That's where the unfunded yes, mandate comes yes. in. Yeah. Are we going to educate our kids or are we not? Do we think education is important or do we not? Listen, we find the resources to do what we think is most important. That's the way it's always been. Uh, and that's the way it'll always be. So our public policy reflect the values that we embrace as a people. I think it's wrong for us to give our kids an inferior educational opportunity when they are going to be competing with kids around the world. One more question on your term as governor, and we'll get into the sort of politics. 3C rail, yeah. restoring passenger rail between Cincinnati through Dayton to Columbus and up to Cleveland. We spend hundreds of millions of dollars on building new roads, highways, and airport terminals. Our transportation budget this construction cycle is about $2 billion. Why is 3C rail, passenger rail, so vilified, do you think? Well, it isn't vilified except by some people. Um, you understand that the governors of California and Florida were willing to take Ohio's money. Even the Republican governor, Mitch Daniels, in Indiana got some of it. They wanted it because they understand that $400 million will create a lot of jobs. Uh, it will improve the freight system. That's, that's, that's why the freight companies were, freight rail companies were in favor of this. It would improve our, our, our crossings, modernize them, made them more safe. Uh, it would have made it more likely that a, that a company would come to Ohio to manufacture rail cars and create those kind of manufacturing jobs. How did you lose that message war? Because the polls show that people saw a 39-mile-an-hour train. Well, because it's not 39 miles an hour, and but the that, people that who said it was 39 miles an hour knew better and continued to say it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's hard to counter, counter uh, false information. Uh, and um, the fact is that uh, Ohio put no skin in the game. This was money that we did not have to match in any way. It was money that was not going to go to pay down the deficit.
and it was not going to be used for other purpose. It was only going to be used for passenger rail service. We knew that. $400 million that we took from Ohio and gave to Florida and California. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to build passenger rail service in those states. Floridians and Californians are going to have jobs. Development's going to take place. A company called me last week and talked about this passenger rail service that we've given up. They told me that they were prepared to invest $200 million in development around one of the planned stations. This is a tragedy for Ohio. It's, it's, a, it's a sad thing. It's, you know, it's already gone, so maybe I ought to, and we ought to stop talking about it. But it's a sad thing. And, uh, and uh, I think it's an indication that um, Ohio will be disconnected from what is going to be a developing passenger rail system throughout this part of our country. What has changed most about politics since you entered back in the 1970s? Money. You know, when I, uh, when I first ran for Congress in 1976, lost, obviously, but I spent about $32,000 uh, when I won my first congressional race in 92, I spent uh, uh, a, l a little more than $150,000, probably closer to $180,000. Uh, and now congressional races are costing millions and millions of dollars. What's the solution? I mean, the uh, Supreme Court has said political donations are free speech. They're protected. They're even more protected now. What is the solution? Yeah, I think the Supreme Court has really done a disservice to this country when they decided that money equals speech. Um, uh, so they've taken uh, uh, wealthy individuals or special interest groups that have access to large sums of money and they've said, but basically for the most part you really can't control that because money is speech. Well, uh, I think that's a distortion of um, uh, of uh, uh, our Constitution and a misinterpretation of, um, of uh, uh, free speech. Is politics more divisive now than it was in the mid-70s, or is it just the divisiveness is louder because of the well, cable networks yeah. and the internet and the web and all that stuff? Yeah, I think it's louder and more prevalent and more pervasive because of technology. You know, if you go back into history and you and you look at some of the earlier races that occurred in this country for president and for other uh, other offices. They were brutal. They were, you know, there was a lot of name calling and and uh, so I'm not sure that the uh, you know that the character of uh, the political discourse has changed all that much. But I, I do believe because of the 24-hour news cycle, the continuous flow of information, the internet, and other ways of communicating. Um, that it has become uh, more divisive simply because it's more prevalent and more present. Can a moderate survive? Someone in the middle, someone who doesn't well, always toe the party line? I think I was a moderate. Uh, uh, I think if you look at my administration objectively, um, uh, you would have to determine that I governed from the common sense center. Um, but you lost. And, and, I, and I lost. Uh, but I don't think that means that uh, 
that uh, there isn't a place for moderates. What's next for you? You're 69 years old. You said during the campaign at one point that this was going to be your last election. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Well, see, that was a speech that I thought was going to be a victory speech. <laughs> um, so you might run again. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not planning on running again, but listen, this is a, a, at a time in my life when, when you know, I have all kinds of options and I'm going to look at all of them. A Washington, and, the uh, Obama administration, is that one that you would, you would consider? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I've talked to the president. He's, he's asked me what I was interested in doing, and I told him at that time it was a little early to know for sure. And he said, you know, think about it for a few weeks and come back and see me. So uh, I, had a, I had a good talk with Secretary Clinton last week. Um, uh, she advised me to take a little time before I... Uh, make a final determination about what I'm going to do in the future. How about your congressional seat? Would you run for that again? Uh, the, the, you know, the one in eastern South, Ohio? Yeah, southeastern Ohio. Mm, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it. How about a rematch with John Kasich? Well, you know, like I say, this is a, a, at a time in my life when, uh, uh, you know, I've got lots of Options, lots of things to think about. But I care about public policy. I love, I love this state uh, and the people who live in it. And I want to stay engaged and involved. Um, so, you know, I, I can't predict the future. So I don't, uh, I don't try to. I just try to, uh, you know. You live could teach my a class with Bob Taft. You could co teach a class. Yeah, all right. I can get one at Ohio State and make more money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Governor, uh, each week we allow our panelists, since we have a panel of one tonight, we allow our panelists to make their final off-the-record comment. No one's going to see this. No one's going to hear it. It's a, it could be a prediction. could be your final thought, a funny quip. Any parting words, any off-the-record comments for our audience? Well, this is sort of a, a serious prediction. But uh, I, th- I think that this country is fluctuating um, from election to election trying to find uh, answers, and they aren't getting the answers that they want from the people they elect. Uh, I think this election was a reflection of that sort of wave election we refer to it. I think 2012 could be another wave election in the other direction. I think Barack Obama is likely to be reelected as as, as Senator Sherrod Brown, and I think we could send some more Democrats Democrats back to the House of Representatives. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. My thanks to the governor and to our crew here at the State House for producing this piece. We urge you to check us out online. You can check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. Do you Twitter, Governor? Uh, I have. It's not something that I do often. See, he's with me on the Twitter whole, the whole Twitter thing. Anyway, it's all available at our website, wosu.org slash cotr. So for our crew here at the State House and for Governor Strickland and all of us at WOSU. Have a good week and have a very nice holiday season.